So today's episode of the Required Podcast, I'm joined by Yoris Babake. Um, Yoris uh, runs a firm uh, in the States that helps companies outsource their back office. So whether or not uh, it's an existing US firm or uh, a UK firm looking to basically just have someone carry the load, uh, really interesting insights into how to do it well, his journey from Europe, UK to the US, what he sees the differences, and uh, yeah, his his views on why everything in America is just bigger and better. Hi, welcome to the Required Podcast. And today we've got Yoris Verbeek, who is the founder of SBPM. Um, hopefully I've said that correct, Yoris. Um, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Andy. Morning. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. It's actually afternoon for me, um, but you're in Houston, aren't you? Houston, yes. Fantastic. No problems there. How's the Texan weather? You know what? This is the first time I've had a sweater on for uh, for six months. So um, it's it's since today that we've gone down to the, the, the mid-teens in Celsius, or 48 degrees Fahrenheit, as they still like the imperial here. Uh, I'm sure everyone in Europe is really feeling for you right now. So, um, so Yoris, <laughs> but for those who don't know you, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. We, we met many moons ago, but... Um, Everyone I suspect is very interested in who you are and how you ended up in this wonderful recruitment ecosystem. Gosh, I'll, I'll try and keep it short, but um, we got to know each other um, when we both worked for S3. Uh, I joined them back in, let's say, 04 in Amsterdam. Uh, did a lot for them throughout Holland, moved to London uh, with one of their IT brands. Uh, they asked me to join their oil and gas brand uh, that was new. And before I knew it, they they sent me around the world. I think I ended up, well, after after debating that we should have an oil and gas brand, I ended up in Kazakhstan a couple of weeks later. Um, and from there, actually, it went from strength to strength. We built up a lot of big clients uh, or global clients, which then uh, led to uh, my family and I moving to Houston. Um, and, uh, well, that's just over eight years ago now. So um, what I thought was two years has turned into much longer and I suspect we'll carry on for uh, for the foreseeable. Yeah, you were one of those people that frustrated me. You just kept on going doing business, all the places we probably shouldn't have been doing business and um, you know, having these great opportunities that were too good to be true and uh, having to work through all the logistics of it. So, um, but it was, it was boom time, wasn't it? Oil and gas. Oh my gosh! It it was it was you'd never seen anything like it from from London IT to uh, crazy places oil and gas. I mean, it, it couldn't be more different. Um, on the flip side, I think um, it taught me a lot about compliance and working with big business. You know, S three grew up with let's just find small companies to work with so we have better rates. If I could just say it that way, and uh, when you work with big companies, you need compliance and all sorts of uh, check boxes. So um, what was Wild West turned into uh, quite quite a lot of understanding of what you need to do to be able to be a big boy, I guess. And I guess, actually, without saying the company name, because it probably should be fair to our previous employers, but you were actually one of the first people that followed the, followed the account. You know, you based yourself in Houston because that was where all the decision makers were for that, for that global account. Oh, for sure. It was uh, their head office was here, but in reality, most of our business was done in 
all the crazy oil and gas places. So it was a combination of seeing the, the important senior management here in Houston and seeing the regional management in places like Angola. And, uh, and then I remember going to the Republic of Congo at one point. Um, so, but I mean, it, it paid off in spades, you know, going to see people locally whilst on a global level, uh, explaining to their to our client how what was happening in the regions um, was worth worth its weight in gold to them and us. It's great. Yeah, what a what a real sort of steep learning curve that must have been. So two years turned into eight years. You're still there now. Um, what is it you're up to now? So the journey after after several years of uh, S three, uh, I decided to leave. Um, I actually ended up doing a little stint with a couple of MSPs because uh, it was a project around around rates, but in reality, it was actually a project to explain to them what's important to a staffing firm or a recruitment firm uh, and why they don't want to work with MSPs and what they need to do to, to make it better. So that was an interesting time. Um, um, what is the answer to that question? Why, why don't, uh, how, how do MSPs make staffing firms want to work with them? Uh, less competition, uh, more interaction with uh, hiring managers uh, and, and realistic rates. I mean, I mean, it's sort of like a the concept of or the theory of MSP is good. But if you take all the all the good ingredients out, then you can't exactly expect a good cake, you know. Um, and that was that was the piece that uh, that ended up a, a big discussion point. Don't know how much actually got put through. I think some accounts really listened and changed and others. Well. You know, it's it's hard to change thing, things when they're, when they're a big account. But it was it was also insightful for me to see how they thought. You know, where you're thinking the MSP is the enemy when you're the staffing company. Uh, in reality, they're they're just fighting for their own client as well to try and offer the best service. So after doing that, you, um... I ended up uh, working for a Dutch firm. I ran their Americas uh, recruitment company, oil and gas again, or energy, I should say. Um, but being being their, um, I guess their regional director really opened up my my experience uh, in in how to run a company in the U.S. Um, yes, we were a part of a bigger organization out of Europe, but in reality, it was okay. Well, you're us. Good luck. You know, let 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 us know how much you make. Um, and it just it just um, I don't know if I was ready for it or not. To be honest, uh, but now I'm. I'm, I'm a lot more experienced around it, and I found a lot of inefficiencies of um, how, how to run a business. In fact, at some point, 80% of my time was more around our back office than it was uh, in front of the clients. Um, and to that end, actually, um, it, it led to us building uh, uh, or, or creating SBPM, um, which is, um, well, the core of our business is we, we, we optimize and manage the back office of staffing firms in the U.S., um, with the main aim, you know, so that uh, the principles of the business can actually get back to doing what they wanted to do and make more placements. So that's a very popular concept in the UK. Um, there's a number of companies that that do that, and it's a very tried and trusted. But um, it, it's something that was quite new to me when we started talking last year, actually, and and sort of going through the you know talking to you about partnerships and putting some test customers with you. It, it was all very new and, you know, or it felt, you know, there wasn't anyone that, you know, we were literally, there were, there were lawyers that would set up companies, there were accounts that would help you, but there wasn't any sort of organization that would just 
just give it to us. We'll sort it. Yeah, and 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 there will continue to be lots of companies that will help you set up, but then wash their hands of you. Uh, good luck to you. But that's really when the work really starts. Um, uh, you know, the US is sometimes a bit of a scary place and litigious and such. It's actually not too bad. As long as you understand it and embrace it, as opposed to be scared of it, you, you'll be fine. Um, but, you know, there is a lot of things to be done here to, to be able to run a compliant and scalable business. And that's that's exactly what we do. So a lot of um, with required, we've, we've got effectively two cohorts. We've got the um, people who have existing businesses in, in the Americas, but we've also got people in the UK looking at how they come to America because they see better profit margins, perhaps um, less commoditized market, um, potentially some of their customers base, you know, they they want to you know get a fuller share of the pie. So what's what's the one hundred and one for anyone coming to America? In terms of setup, you mean, or just the, the the potential, the opportunity? I think just in terms of first off the opportunity. So the opportunity, um, okay, stats are stats, but in the grand scheme of things, as far as we've understood it to be, there's probably about thirty thirty five thousand agencies in the U in the UK. Um, that that number is more around twenty or twenty five thousand in the US, but the GDP is five times higher. So just just that alone sort of says I think there's room for you. Um, yeah, and I, I think how to do business here is a bit different, but there's been enough enough European and UK brands that have come out to the US and have done very very well since. Um, but you know you've also got to be. It's not the UK, it's a different country. We might speak the same language, but it's, it's different. And how much does it vary from state to state? Um, so a, a, common, a common thought is, okay, the US is one country with 50 little countries. And to a certain extent, that's, that's true. Um, there are nuances from one state to the next, but from a federal level or a national level, um, that's your that's your template. That's your standard. Wherever you decide to to start in that state, and then we can help you from one state to the next about what you need to have in place. But it's more about having slight nuances in your employment contract, for example, uh, as opposed to a fundamental change in your registrations and entities and such. It, it you know we we work for example in I don't know eleven or twelve states at the moment. We're we're based in Texas. We are registered in in all those states that we do some work in, but we're still a Texas business and we're still a U.S. business. Um, but it's a lot of this stuff that uh, in the U.S. it's a lot of trial and error. If you haven't done it before, it's a lot of trial and error for you. And I guess that's the bit that we try and try to take away. You know, the bit that I missed was who can I talk to to help me out? Is this the right thing to do, or how do I do that? Um, just an amazing amount of time. That, that goes out the window trying to to work out on a government website what you're supposed to do whilst you don't really need to do that much well that's good to know so literally anyone looking to incorporate can just come to you and you'll help them with which bits yours so going back to you know our core is to to, to optimize and manage an existing staffing company in the us uh together with you and and and, and some of the pilot clients uh with required you know We've sort of taken one or two steps back and said, okay, how can we help you uh, set up here? 
Uh, and it really just starts with a conversation of, well, what, what do you want to do here? You know, uh, is it is it do you want to run a contract business and you need someone to take care of it? Sure, can do it. Or do you have a perm business and you want a couple of salespeople running around? Also possible. Um, I, I think we're if you're serious about uh, the U.S., then you will also become your own employer here. Um, again, it's another one of these steps that you, you need to take. You need to be your own employer here, in, in, in our opinion. Um, there's complexities to it, but like anything, you know, riding a bike was complex when you first got on too. But once you go, it's second nature, you know. So I mean, th there's why is that? Because you know, again, you know, from a from a UK perspective, actually from a European perspective, management companies, umbrella companies, they're pretty much par for the course and accepted. So why is that different? So I guess without going down a, a debate that you know very well, um, and I know it's since changed again, but take the UK and IR35. Uh, before that, it was very normal to use umbrella companies in the UK. Since IR35, many uh, recruitment companies are thinking, well, why don't we just employ ourselves? It's it, it, it's the better way forward. The, the US, with everything that's going on, you are better off being an employer yourself. Very simply, if you use an umbrella company or or, or a version of it, and, and there's a variety of versions which we can go through, of course, um, it's going to cost you a large part of your margin. It might be easier in the beginning um, uh, to, to outsource that bit, um, but the quicker you do it, the more of that margin you get back, and most importantly, the more control you have of your business and your brand. Um, if you use a third party, you are dictated to how you engage with your contractors and how you and what your offering is to your clients ultimately. Um, so we're a big believer in taking control of your own business and we'll help you uh, and support you with, with the controls that you need in place. What do the most successful companies do in the US? What what marks out the successful versus or, or the, you know, to, you know, the, the great versus the good? Gosh. That's a very broad question. It's a really, really um, broad question, but I think people looking at either looking at scaling their businesses in the US or making you know, a really significant investment, they want to get it right. They want to knock it out of the park. So what do what the great companies do really well? The, the things that really come to mind are, one, the technology that you offer your, uh, your recruiters, uh, two, the recruiters that you hire, um, there are some amazing people out there that have a lot of experience. Uh, that doesn't mean that they'll be amazing for you. Um, so that leads to training. Um, someone that's got the good the, the good building blocks, um, but are open to to, to new things and uh, and being trained. Uh, I think are massive. Uh, your choice of market is is uh, extremely important. Of course, one market has a much higher margin than others. Uh, but the higher margin markets are often also under pressure from uh, uh, economies or economics. So, for example, the the IT development uh, pieces, the fintech, the health tech, all, all those kind of companies uh, as your clients, they've been amazing for margins lately. Um, but now that the money's dried up uh, and private equity isn't pumping in as much, guess what? Your, your margins are under pressure again. Uh, so then maybe it's it's good to find, a, I guess, a more stable market to go with your your high growth market as well. So, yeah. 
Technology, education, and market, I guess. Technology, education, and market. Um, so typically, I mean, in in the Americas, is recruitment seen in the same way as it is in the UK and Europe? How does that differ? I mean, you've been there now, you've done it in both. You know, when you go to your, uh, they're not barbecues, are they? They're cookouts or eatouts or, you know, um, and you say, I'm in, I'm in staffing. Is that, you know, you're seen revered like a doctor or is it like, geez, you know, you're, you're, you're equivalent real estate or something? Uh, I, I don't think it's as, it doesn't have the connotation that it does in the UK. Um, it, it's maybe, I, I guess it depends on who you're talking to. Um, and by, it, it can be a barbecue, but then you're smoking meats. Uh, it's a grill if you're just burning your burgers. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, because the market's so large, and also, you know, like like most parts uh, parts in the world, the, the STEM industries are in dire need of good good talent. Uh, so it's very um, when a market is is in in need of talent, then then people are welcoming the the the, the phone calls and the and the approaches. Um, but like any market, I mean, then it's really down to the talent that you have. Um, if you're just going to throw stuff, mud at the wall and hope that it sticks, as the, as the old adage was, then you, you're going to get the same kind of response. The old adage, uh, America squeeze, squeezes, America sneezes and the rest of the world catches a cold. How is the labour market there right now? Um, I think we we obviously saw... Uh, a market in recruitment that we'd never seen before for the certainly for the first half of the year and the feeling is it sort of cooled a bit you know big sort of layoffs in the you know in the recruiting um, fraternity in the big tech firms but are you seeing that as a as a trend is people panicking or is it all still still very good uh, i i certainly don't see panic i think if you um Again, media is a bit dangerous, right? When 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 the agenda is to show that there's a, a recession coming, then they'll write about it. Um, you've got um, yes, there's been a bit of a pullout from private equity into newer newer businesses. Um, I, I'm in Houston. It's a little bit it's a little bit tainted here. The oil price is still high. I know most people don't like that statement. It is what it is, but it keeps. It keeps recruitment going massively in 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 the oil states. So, but for me personally, around me, there's there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of jobs. Um, I think in, in the stable markets, there will always be good people necessary. But again, good times or bad, the STEM industries um, they're, they're still lacking in talent. So there's I I think. Even in bad times, there's still a lot of opportunity. And what's the current state of the visa system? Because that's constantly changing. Um, and not just there's the espoused version of it, and there's the reality of what the visa, you know, the weights are, how long they take, you know, what, what where are we with that at the moment? So I, I still believe the US work visa is one of the hardest visas to get um, uh, in the world. It's, it's crazy um it, it 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 is and stays difficult um unless you're canadian uh with a with a college or a university degree it's going to be it's going to be difficult um if you if you are a 
The, the second best option is if you are a UK citizen working for a UK company that is invested in the US, then they should be able to get a blanket e-visa and 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 shouldn't be that difficult. Things have moved on faster. You know, COVID shut everything down. Uh, but as far as I can see, things are going uh, going again. Um, your L1 visas, which is usually if you're not the citizen of the company that you work for, um, those are still difficult, uh, extremely, actually. Uh, and also, your citizenship plays a massive role into your even, you know, being accepted. And then the... Um, you know the the legendary green card um yeah be prepared for 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 a lot of patience and a lot of money mostly to your lawyer yeah so i i hear that's quite long um a long drawn out process and you can't travel for periods of time while it's all going through so yeah it looks and and then you've got to pay taxes to the united states for the rest of your life well the day you start working in the U.S., you 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 really also sign up to uh, paying paying tax on your global income anyway. Um, the the way I I I argued it for myself was um, the tax rate is higher in the in the U.K. or where I'm from, uh, Netherlands, is higher than it is here. So um, I, I'm in a better place then. Um, it's not until. So I have my green card now. I think it's in, in about five years or seven years, I think, then I'm stuck with the global income tax for the rest of my life. So I've got another I've got another six years to think about it. But you can advise um, all of your customers on these type of things and, and go through because you, you've done it yourself. Well, for, for sure, for sure. And I think just, just on that, you know, we're not a lawyer, we're not an accountant. Um, we're a firm that have gone through a lot of experiences and understand, first of all, how to set it up. But most importantly, what do you do once you're running? You know, um, but the, the the bit that I really want to talk to you and, and, and your client base about is, is how do you create the scalability? You know, you came here for a reason. It wasn't to make one or two placements. I mean, let's go. Let's build your business. Uh, you you know so much about building a business as, as, a, as a staffing or a recruitment firm. Uh, we we come in and make sure that you're actually able to deliver um, what you're selling. Fantastic. So, and I think your point around the start was typically just get on and manage your customers, manage your clients, we'll manage the bits that you don't really need to know about. And, you know, we'll take that off your hands and make your life easier. It, it, exactly. Your day-to-day -day back office comes with us your yearly renewable things that you need to think about, your insurance, your benefits, your workers' comp, your, oh gosh, so many things uh, that will take your day out. These are things that we talk about day to day, and we'll talk to you about it uh, at the right time once a year. Um, make it a lot easier. Fantastic. Well, it, it sounds... Um... It sounds pretty good, and I think anyone um, certainly considering or currently in the US should probably have a chat with you and uh, and talk to you about it. Um, Yoris, it's been great. We'll have to do this again soon. Um, if there's any breaking news in the US, then we'll we'll definitely keep um, our members updated on it. But um, if people do want to reach out to you, how can they get in contact with you? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, of course. Um, uh, jverbeek at sbpmpartners.com um i mean feel free to share our website 
uh, it's all quite short, short uh, strings to, to get a hold of me. Fantastic. We'll share links um, on the social outreach as we put it out and um, it will be available as a partner on the required website. So um, good to catch up with you again. Um, are you going to the baseball tonight? Well, it, I'm, I'm not going. Those tickets are sold out, but it will be certainly uh, a very, uh, a very exciting game for the Astros. Yeah, fantastic. for those who don't understand baseball, um, it's uh, the ALCS. So it's basically the semi-final of the World Series, and it's the Astros versus um, the Yankees. So as as an Astros fan, um, having been to my one baseball game there, I'm really hoping Houston pull through. So it'll be exciting. I'm hoping it won't be as long as the uh, the last game, which was it started at three p.m. and finished at ten p.m. But that was crazy. So I'm hoping it's not that. Yeah, anyone who understands cricket will probably think that's <laughs> quite a short game, Yoris. So, but, but, but yeah, thanks a lot for all your time, and um, we'll definitely catch up soon. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it.